Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Microphone into your puss. Speak loudly, speak clearly, so the uh, the listeners at home understand what I'm saying. Uh, welcome back to the Scott Gibson Show. I am Scott Gibson. Who else would I fucking be? Episode one hundred one, one hundred one for the uh, for the for everybody to enjoy. I was going to say for the scum, but this is not uh, purely for the scum listener. It's uh, it's for everyone to enjoy. You know. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't glad. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't not going to do this episode. I was always going to do episode one hundred and one, but I, I wasn't. I was. I was kind of in a in an emotional box, trapped in an emotional box of despair because I didn't know what to do. And I'm not going to lie. I was. Uh, I was. I was toying with the idea of moving the podcast purely to Patreon. For the rascals, you know, I thought a hundred episodes for free, for free, is enough, is enough for them. So, uh, you know, watch this space. You might find, you might be sitting going, oh, I mean, I've I've really enjoyed a hundred and one episodes for fuck all, of great content for the big man. It hasn't seemed to have 
post a new episode in a couple of weeks, and then that might be the situation where you just find that everything's new on the old, the old Patreoni. You know, but then there's that, there's that back and forth of going. If you want to build the listeners and get new people on, have you got, have you got to give them something? You know, it's, 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 it's a difficult circle. I don't know, but right now, one oh one, as you listen, uh, is is out and enjoy it. And if you do want to become a, a rascal, if you do want to support the show and go on the Patreon, get all the extra goodies that are available there. Then simply go to patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson or go to the website bigscottgibson.com. Also, tour shows coming up. Um, we're going to be in Greenock on the 29th of this month of January. Um, again, as I've spoken before, I'm not, getting, I'm not getting too excited for these things because everything is still changing. Um, but right now, 29th of January, I'm going to be in Greenock, the Beacon Arts Centre. Um, tickets are on the website and on the Beacon's website, so if you want to come along to that, please do get them. Other tour dates are all listed online, but like I said, who knows what's going to happen with COVID, uh, and we're not going to talk about it, because I'm not having another COVID episode, but I will say this before we move forward. I got the notification, as everybody else does, when your Sky News or your BBC News or whatever place you get your fucking lies from, pinged in my phone, and it said... UK death toll has now passed 150,000 COVID directly or related deaths. And I thought to myself, in the name of God, what a horrific Christmas that has been. It's been justified. Here was me complaining, upset again, that Sturgeon and the SNP put us back into some kind of restrictions over Christmas. But you know what? 150,000 deaths over Christmas... That is a shocking amount of people. And then I realised that is since COVID began. Since it began in fucking 2020. 150,000. That is it. What the fuck? Now your argument could be, but Gibble, it's only been 150,000 because we have taken such strong measures and precautions. And I would say to you, shut the fuck up. I'm done, we're done, 150,000, I thought at one point, they're talking as if 150,000 a week was dying, in two and about years, hey Jesus, Johnny, let it end, let it end, if this had first started in March, and they said to us, of the, what, 6 million population of Scotland, what's a reasonable number we can go for, I'd have said half a million, I'd have probably went a million, and I take my chances at that. One in six. Anyway, to those of you who have ha- uh, had COVID or lost people, uh, my deepest uh, sympathies and condolences. But I think we'll all agree 150,000 is fuck all. You know? When will it end? Who knows? Probably never. Probably never. We'll still be postponing tour dates in fucking 2050 because it'll be something else then. Anyway, well, let's move on, shall we? Um... Scouring the uh, the the in- interweb for for news uh, stories uh, to discuss today, a, a few things to talk about. I, I watched a, a couple of documentaries that that blew my mind for very different reasons. Um, one was the American factor, the other the rescue, which we shall discuss. But I'm sitting looking at the news, and uh, do you know what? Uh, it's boring. It's boring. Kate Middleton turns forty. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. I think we're now at the stage where everything that's happened with fucking Bonnie Prince Andrew and the rest of them, seeing less it's the Queen, we're not really caring. You know, and I've said it before, when the Queen goes, I think they should go. I think that's the end of it. I think we just wrap it up 
we we you know we shut it down, we split it up, sell it off for parts, right? We get all the hussies and uh, we just we put it in a job lot, we sell it off to some oil baron. We ask the Russians, you know, as soon as the queen is in the ground and all the fucking pomp and pageantry is done, we go on the phone to the Russians and the Saudis and we go, what do you want? A special Sotheby's that's everything owned by the crown. Houses, paintings, castles, rent boys, everything. Every single thing that the crown owns, swans, and we now have a lot, 614, 50,000 swans, everything. Corgis, the dug bowls, the queen's nappies, every single thing that is owned by the crown, we auction it off, we raise billions, billions! And then we all get a share, we all get a cut. That's how it works. We sell everything, and I mean everything. I mean fucking everything, down to the last brick. Buckingham Palace, sold. Tower of London, so everything. Every fucking thing that is today with the royal family or the crown, get fucking rid of it, sell it, and then we all get a split. That's it. UK citizens, at the point of sale, you fucking send them your bank details and we all get an equal split. Maybe we get 100 quid. I mean, we probably get more than that. Maybe you get 200 quid. Brilliant. Right? Queen's gone. Sad, sad, sad. You know, mourn, mourn, mourn. Barrier in the ground, right? Fucking memorial service. Remember that time she got a patent after Rolf Harris? Oh, we don't talk about that now, do we? Shut it down. And then you all get a couple of 100 quid. Maybe even more. How much money do you think you could sell Buckingham Palace for? How much? Eh? Billions. Fucking billions. I, I, I'm, tell, I'm telling you right now, I think, I think you could probably get at least 10, if not 20 billion for Buckingham Palace. Easily. Easily. You're telling me you're some uh, Russian oligarch, you're some Saudi prince, you know? Uh, part of a royal family that isn't really a royal family because let's be honest how have we get talked about the royal schedule I don't know but we're going down this road if you are not in the house of Windsor or the house of Hanover if you're not related to El Quino right El Capitan you're not really a royal family we've all done it I'm not, I can't be the only one you're watching some bullshit TV show and it comes up princess fucking such and such or prince so and so and you're like who the fuck are these cunts and then they're like the royal family of Norway or Sweden or fucking Spain you're like what shut the fuck up there's only one royal family and that's fucking Lizzie's royal family the rest of them you are, are charlatans when it's like the crown the crown the crown the crown prince of Monaco fuck off wee man unless it's you know, Windsor related. You're no royal family, right? Ned Delsky's a fuck. There's no international news channels running stories of some fucking Norwegian princess turning 40. Nobody gives a fuck, right? I mean, nobody gives a fuck about Kate Middleton turning 40, but here we are because it's a, it's a quiet news day. Or the Tories are fucking signing off uh, probably half of the public funds to the Chinese or, or murdering people behind your back and we're having to cover it up. So let's cover it up with fucking stories of Kate Middleton and loads of pictures of her in different dresses. Who gives a fuck, not me? So sell it all off. On the phone to the Saudis. Turn it into fucking Alton Towers. And then we all get a cut. Happy days. 
Happy days indeed. The reason why I'm the reason why I'm thinking about the Royals. I mean, I can't look at a fucking uh, news website the new with it. Pictures of Kate Midland, who turns forty, and I'll be honest, I thought she was older than that. Um, but fair fucks there, man. She's in deep, you know. Kate Midland's in deep. She's uh, she knows where the bodies are bu- bodies are buried, without a doubt. But she's, uh, you know, if she ever if she ever stepped out of line, uh, you know, they'd, they'd cut her hands and feet off. The only thing that I remember about them two when they were dating, Kate and William, right? And I know that fucking some people are heavy into the Royals and they love all that shit. And I, I don't quite get it myself, but I remember a story of him landing the one of the Chinook helicopters in her uh, back garden to go and visit her parents. And I thought, that would probably seal the deal for the middle classes but if you were to do that for a working class family they probably wouldn't open the door to you because you'd be branded a show-off cunt and you wouldn't want your daughter marrying any of that whereas the middle classes the class system in the uk is is a it's a fascinating one because it, it i don't think it really exists anywhere else on the planet, and I know that the Americans like to think that they have some kind of class system, but they don't really, because they they have a a kind of middle class, and the middle class in America is probably just like a, 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 it's a, you can't compare the two, you can't compare them, you can't compare the American class system to the British class system, because Americans don't have an upper class, they have a working class and a middle class, and the middle class to them as 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 I suppose it's you can't even compare that to our middle class because it's not it's not it's not the same thing because you could have fucking hillbilly cunts that are middle class just because of the money that they earn. Whereas we will have a working class, a middle class, an upper class, aristocracy, a class above that. You know, and these these middle class cunts, which Kate Middleton is, they're desperate to become upper class aristocracy, but they know they can't. There's no, there's no avenue for them. It doesn't matter how many, you know, people they murder, how much money they earn, how many businesses they shaft over and shut down, how many fucking working class people they screw over. It doesn't matter because they'll never be aristocracy unless somehow they go to St Andrews University and they fucking they are lap dancing their underwear for for a prince and uh, suck him off and then keep him in a tight lead for a year uh, and then finally give in and marry the bastard. It's the only way to do it, and she's done that. So fair play to her. But the idea of landing a tunic helicopter in their garden to these bastards, I mean, his dad was probably having a wank in the kitchen as he saw it coming down. I can't believe this is happening. She's marrying a prince, he's landing a fucking Chinook. Spunks all over the kitchen window, gets the butler to clean it up before they go in. If, if we think back to that, the whole news stories that are following her and everything, articles about her family, you know, their middle class family and da 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 da, and you're like, mid, middle class. They're trying to make out as if. These people are just like you and I. If I had a garden big enough to land a Chinook helicopter in it, I mean, do you think I'd be fucking kicking about going, listen, I'm just like you guys. I'm just a normal person. Even though I've got a massive house, I'm fucking a millionaire, and you can land a Chinook in my garden. You can even land a drone in most of your gardens. A fucking drone. And the cunts landing a Chinook helicopter. And this as well, this is this all adds, all these things, all these historical stories, this all adds to this 
idea of it is one rule for them and one rule for us, and I'm totally fine with that. I remember people kicking off. I mean, uh, a military helicopter that's owned by the the by us by the taxpayer that could have been doing uh, you know vital uh, helicopter stuff. You're like, what the? F- Shut up! I'm I'm a I'm Prince William. Lads, I'm taking the Chinook. I'm going to visit the bird. Uh, sir, yeah, your Royal Highness. Um, a military helicopter. We need it to rescue uh, civilians from Afghanistan. Do you know who the fuck I am? Do you know who my gran is, cunt? If I want the Chinook, I'm taking the fucking Chinook because I'm Prince Willie. Take the fucking Chinook. Chinook. <laughs> I think I just like saying the word Chinook. One rule for them, one rule for us. And good. It should be, I know we've spoken about this before, but it fucking, it fucking should be one rule for them and one rule for us. It gives you something to work towards. Because one, do you want to be them and know us and have your fucking different rules? Otherwise, what's the point? Communism! And nobody wants that. Apart from less selection. So, Mark, that's the only time I want communism, when I, have to, when I get sent to buy stuff. You know, like, go and get milk, or cheese, or a jam, or something. I get sent to buy something. And there's fucking hundreds of options. And I'm like, in the name of fuck. Can we not just have communism for a couple of minutes? So I can go in. And they say, what is you looking for? I'm looking for bread, milk, and jam. Right, well, there's your bread, your milk, and your jam. And can I see the other options? Are you talking to me, you fool? It's communism. You want bread? There's your bread. But is it sourdough? It's bread, cunt! Take it and fuck off! Now the jams, what selections of jams do you have? What selections? We've got jam. Your selection option is, how many jars do you want? You can only have two, because it's communism! It's the only time I think it would work for anxious men having to do the shopping. Uh, uh, Communism, right? Everything else, capitalism. And that's where the rules apply. One rule for us, one rule for them. And the people who are the us, i.e. us, me and you, we get angry. Because we go, how have they got different rules? And they've got different rules because they're fucking loaded. Or they've got photographs of uh, Prince Andrew, a fucking cucumber up his arse. Different rules for different people. It's like when you're flying and there's business class, you know? It's one rule for them and one rule for us. Fine. They, they, they probably deserve it. Because either they worked harder or they've, they've got to come to the pace for it, right? And you sit there and you go, oh, I wish I was in business class. Well, tough. Or you go to a nightclub, VIP section. How come I can't get in the VIP section? Because you're not a VIP, Kanto. And you tell me it's one rule for them, one rule for us? Yes. And we're happy with that. Because we want to be that. We, we aspire to be the VIP, the business class, the 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 something special, you know. I don't worry about that. Oh, but I thought you had to. I don't, I don't worry about that. You're one of us now. Oh, but I thought I was one of them. No, they think you're them, but now you're us because you were us when you were them. But now you're us with us because now you're them to us. You know, to us you're them, but to them you're you. But when you were you and with them, you were not us. You were us with them, but now that you're we us. You're them to them. Do you know what I mean? What? <laughs> Aspirations in life. I mean, our only hope is that we die uh, with our faculties 
you know, we are we are aware that death is coming. And we face it head on and we are reincarnated as a dog. That's the only hope that any of us can have. Not a guide dog. I don't want to come back as a guide dog. I don't want to come back as a working dog. Guide dog, sniffer dog, sheep dog. I don't want to come back as that. I want to come back as just a functioning house dog. Who's loved? You know? No one that's uh, kept in a cage. Uh, you know, and starved. Right? I don't want to be on an RSPCA advert. <laughs> Could you adopt a bonnie this? I don't want to be that. I don't want to have my ribs showing. I want to be a fat dog. Sleeting and eating, farting and shitting. Right? That's the name of my country album. <laughs> Sleeping and eating and farting and shitting. Coming back as a dog. That's it. That's all any of us can want. Right? Try and have a happy life. Uh, you know, face death head on and then reincarnated as a dog. What a fucking happy life you'd have. Anyway, how do you how do you go from the royal family to being reincarnated as a dog? I don't know. These are the this is the joy of this podcast. We uh we take a tip, you know, off of many tangents. Um we, we see what it takes us. So uh yes, I let's go into the Chinese, shall we? Um I think that everyone now uh, accepts that you know the uh, the COVID situation was a, a biological weapon released upon us. For what purpose yet? I don't know. But interestingly, I watched a documentary the other day, and it's called The American Factory, and you can get it on Netflix, and it's very interesting. And it probably, it's interesting for a number of reasons. One, it gives you an insight into the difference between, I would say, old-fashioned ideas of working compared to kind of modern working environments. Let's take a step back because I'm I'm confusing myself here. The premise of the documentary is a factory in, I believe, and I cannot, in fact, Gibble, you're sitting at the computer, sir. Just fucking Google the bastard. I think it is in Ohio. O-H-I-O, Ohio. American factory dock. Here we go. Uh, the uh, In a post-industrial Ohio, I was right, a Chinese billionaire opens a new factory in the husk of an abandoned General Motors plant. Early days of hope and optimism give way to setbacks as high-tech China clashes with working-class America. That is the basic premise. Now, to go even further, uh, General Motors GM got a factory in Ohio. It is closed for quite some time. I think uh, something ridiculous like the the plant employed 20,000 people or something like that. A vast number of people were employed to work in this plant. The documentary focuses on about three or four of the people who previously worked at General Motors who are now working in the new factory, and it looks at the Chinese workers who are brought in, including the the, the chairman and the board. Um, so the factory is closed, and the Chinese billionaire, um, who is uh, Chao Duang, who, let me just say, is a, is a very fat Chinaman, very, very well-fed, very healthy Chinese man, Opens up the uh, factory, reopens the factory as a glass factory. Fao Yong, or Fao Yu, I think is the name of the company. 
Anyway, they've got big factories in China and they're opening up in America. And part of this is, if you've if you've read anything about what's happening in Hollywood recently, there is a, there's currently a kind of movement within the industries in China to position themselves across the the globe in big markets. For example, America, UK, Germany, position themselves as uh, industry leaders and to get themselves a foothold in also to start to change the perception that certain groups of society have towards China and the Chinese. Moving away from this idea that it's a secretive state, they're out to take over and they're out to get us and the way that they've decided to do that is by t- taking over and uh, forcing you to think a certain way. <laughs> But the, the, the focus of the documentary is on this factory and the, the differences between the way in which China and Chinese workers work towards Americans. And I found it fascinating, hilarious and shocking at the same time because there are parts in it where I cannot believe it was signed off. I cannot believe the company or whoever agreed to have this documentary actually allowed it to go out. Because after the documentary is finished, it comes up at the end, and you think you're going to get a little bit of information about the people, what they're up to now, and, you know, like, hey, young John's married with kids, and he's now opened his own bakery, that kind of shit. And it's things like the, uh, I can't remember the, the name of the government branch, but the government is now investigating the factory, uh, the, the owners are under investigation, all sorts of mad shit is happening. But even when you go back through it, Elements of the documentary are things like the Chinese um, board or the management are on camera saying things like they can't believe how fat the Americans are. They can't believe how lazy the Americans are. And it's a stark contrast between what is modern day manufacturing and probably why it doesn't exist. And for want of a better word, the almost slave-like conditions that the Chinese workers are in. When it switches between the two factories and the contrast between the hours that are worked, even things like the Chinese factory, they work in silence. One of the big things when it was they, they, they were angry at how much the Americans talk, how much they talk to each other, how much they talk when they're working. They, they claim that it's distracting. They claim that it's, it's uh, stopping production levels. And then you, they, go, they cut to the Chinese factory and they are literally working in silence. And I mean silence. They do not speak. Now, it's a fact that they are a couple of feet away from the person standing next to them. They do not talk for 10 hours. 10 hour shifts. They don't speak. They then leave the factory in orderly lines. I mean, it's almost military. They are line by line all in uniform, depending on what area of the factory you're in, you may have a different colour stripe. It's like something that a fucking movie. And they leave the factory in silence. It is this... I don't even know the words to properly describe it. It's almost science fiction. It's eerie. Contrasted with Americans, and they're not sure And one of the big things in the, in the documentary is that the, the Americans are trying to become unionised. And for... In the name of God, the Chinese are doing everything to stop them joining the union. Everything to stop them joining the union. And I suppose the, the, the contrast of it is that there's an element of truth on both sides because the union's coming in saying, you need to join the union because we will be your voice and they'll listen to us and we'll take this and we'll do that. 
And there's another side of it, and the, and the, the other side of it is the, the, the factory owner said, listen, if you join the union, you know, you're just filling their pockets, and they just want your money, and your subscriptions, and they will stop us production, or, and it'll cost jobs in the long run. And I suppose the truth of that is that there's a, there's a balance in the middle. If anybody has ever been in a job where there was a union, it's a fucking shit show, man. I remember I worked, I worked in O2, now, to be fair, right, to, to be full disclosure, as I say, it's the worst job that I've ever had in my life was working for O2. It was a shocking company to work for. Now, I know people who have worked for O2, I actually know people who still work for O2, and they love it, and that's great, but the office I was in with the team I was under, it was the worst job that I've ever had, ever. Everything was down to... Numbers on a page, the way they treated people was shocking. And again, that's my own experience with it. I know people are different. But I was forced to join the union and I, and it, it really annoyed me because I think I paid them like £5 a month and I remember thinking somebody going like £5 a month isn't much. No, it was my early 20s, right? And I'm going, but that's a pint. That's, and if I go to a right shithole, that's two pints. I'm paying this dick two pints a month to do nothing for me. Because I didn't see any benefit of it. And I also saw the other side of it as being a, a manager where I, I, you would have to do meetings or disciplines or whatever. And they were always, one of the questions that HR would ask, are they uh, in the union? And if you were, you'd have the union rep there. And they would make things difficult for you. Okay, not that I was caring because I was never in a situation where, you know, I had certainly done anything wrong. We were just going through the process. But it just made life very difficult on things that didn't need to be made difficult. And there was a sense of us versus them. Now, again, it's my opinion on it, and that's just because experience. I'm sure there's people who have had great experience within uh, a union and a work, and there's probably people as well who have been in a union, and then when they've needed them, they haven't helped them. But it was interesting to see the contrast of the two. And when they went to the American factory and asked some of the workers about a union, they're like, what's a union, mate? <laughs> We'll see, like, if you know, because you're making the glass, and sometimes there's, like, uh, you know, accidents in the factory. Like, maybe if the glass comes in, like, slices your hand off, well, like, you can go to the union and they'll help you, like, get compensation. Which compensation, mate? You know, like, if you, if you can't be at your work because you lost your hand, what are you talking about? You know, like, if, if there was an industrial accident, and, like, what's an accident? All right, well, you know, like, something happens... Well, if I was to lose my hand in a factory, that that's my fault. It's nothing to do with the factory. No, but there, sometimes there can be things that are out with your control. Nothing's out of my, my control, mate. Nothing. The chairman provides everything we need. So if I lose my hand, that's my fault. And I need to be in water, water the next day. And I just need to use my other hand on my feet. Look at young Chow Ying down there. That's why he's not getting his shoes on. I know you think that's health and safety, but he lost both his arms in one of these accidents you talk about. And now he has to make glass with his feet. Never missed a day in his work. Some boy, man. It was, uh, I, I urge you to watch it. Because it's, it, it, see after watching it as well, I'm going, this, this is the reason why that type of industry has died in America and Britain. And why it will never return. And the truth of the matter is, because for some reason, we have got ourselves in the position where people don't want to work hard anymore. And that's a very general thing to say, and, I, and, I, and I'm no 
you might be listening to this going like, Gibble, I work fucking hard. I work hard as well. I'm just meaning that for whatever reason, something has changed in people's mindset. And it's a kind of can do it. Like, that'll do. That'll do is the attitude. That'll do. You know, we don't have that kind of poor immigrant mentality anymore. Did we ever have it? I don't know. But there are very few people who take pride in their work anymore. We do have a that'll do attitude. And you might say to yourself, but Gibble, I work with really hard people. And, we, and that's fine, but how many of you have been and had shocking customer service or tried to get something from a company and never received it or never really had what you thought you were going to get in the first place or just been palmed off because it's a that'll do attitude, you know? It's 5 to 5 on a Friday, man. Uh, this is going to take another couple of hours, boys, to finish this off, so I oh, fuck it, stick that on, do that, wire this in, weld that, fuck it, that'll do, man. That'll do! That's the attitude we've got, that'll do. The the unions, they complaining about wages, they complain about working conditions. Everything that you're seeing from the American side that's being requested, that's being suggested, that's being argued for. Almost everything is, in a way, trying to stop the production, trying to stop the worker. And and the contrast of that are the poor Chinese slaves, because they are slaves, man. They're getting paid fucking pennies and all that. Listen, we'll, we'll, we'll be in tomorrow. We'll be in tomorrow. I bet tomorrow Sunday does not matter. We will be here making glass for the chairman. Now, the other thing that I found quite interesting is when does that end for China? When does that end? Because it can't be much longer. Because time is shortening. My, 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 my reason for that is, in the olden days, like 60s or 70s, it may have taken a decade for things to change because technology interaction, technology, wasn't as advanced as it is now. China is growing at an alarming rate, but so too is its middle class. More people in China are becoming educated, more people are becoming wealthy, more people are travelling. Young people are travelling. Vast numbers of China's young population are now travelling abroad to have further education. You will know yourself in Scotland, England, whatever part you're in, vast population are Chinese students getting a different type of education, seeing the world, understanding different cultures, taking that back, how does that shape an emerging China? But within that realms of industry and that, that realm of the kind of lower class in China, how much longer can they keep that group of people there? How much longer do are they able to control that group that has built the infrastructure that they now profit from because surely there's going to come a time where they start to watch documentaries or things seep through or they, they speak to cousins or brothers or sisters or, or whatever who have studied abroad and they see a different environment and think to themselves, wait a minute here, you're telling me that the company I work for has also got a factory in Ohio, whatever the fuck that is, and they only work Monday to Friday and they get paid $20 an hour and I'm sitting here seven days a week getting $2. What the fuck's happening here? How, how much longer are China able to manipulate and control? I don't know. I mean, there's fucking hundreds of them, so maybe, <laughs> maybe a bit longer. I think that's going to be the next interesting thing for the development of China. 
why? How have we gone from talking about the Queen to talking about China? What an episode this is! I do think that's going to be the next interesting thing: the, the continued development of the country and how they manage to maintain that idea of almost the slave trade. How they manage to maintain the vast volume of workers that they need, but to keep them at a point where they don't start to have the idea of it's us and them. Because right now, they, they when you, especially when you watch that documentary and you listen to Chinese workers, they, they feel that they are contributing towards the development of their nation. They're, they're very much almost indoctrined into that concept of the work I do here is for the future of China. They are built into that, and that's fucking great if you're sitting at the top because you want an obedient workforce. But how much longer are they able to control that thinking before they start to go, wait a minute here, there is an us in them mentality. How much longer before that group of Chinese workers start to think like us? Hey, you're telling me that Chairman Ping's having a fucking party, a wine and cheese Christmas party when we're in a lockdown? I don't fucking think so. It's one rule for us and one rule for them. Who knows? Who knows? I hope it doesn't happen too soon because I still like buying cheap shit off Amazon, as I'm sure we all do. So let's hope that there is... Let's hope that there is not... A, a, a massive revolution within the Chinese slave class because for a couple of years yet, we still want to buy cheap shit off of Amazon. And then we'll see where we go. Give it a watch. Netflix, The American Factory. It's a decent It's a decent documentary, man. It's, uh, it's produced by the Obamas, but don't let that, uh, you know, judge your uh, view on it. Netflix, The American Factory. Give it a watch, man. You'll uh, you'll enjoy it. Oh, oh you'll know. You're watching. You're like, oh, a lot of shite, Gibble. But hey, enjoy it anyway. And uh, get in touch and let me let me know. You should be following me on the socials anyway. At Big Scott Gibson on Instagram and Twitter. Scott Gibson Comedy on Facebook. Best thing to do is go to the website, bigscottgibson.com and you'll get all the links on there and sign up for the Patreon. But watch it, American Factory, Netflix. You'll love it. Right, I'm, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm, I'm struggling to find a way to begin this next topic because I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I care less about than tennis and I, 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 I really don't think, other than cricket, although they're on equal parring, on a sporting side. Oh, but there's, there's things in, in life I, I care far less about. But sporting-wise, um, for me, tennis is up there. Now, I know there are a lot of people who are like, oh, Gibbo, the tennis, my God, the drama, the back and forth, the volleys, the rallies, you know, the uh, oh, the aces, the, the, the deuce point, uh, nil, you know, love, oh, the, the strawberries, they, uh, <laughs> it's fucking shit. If, if Wimbledon wasn't in the UK, I really don't think that most people would give a fuck about tennis. I, I think that Andy Murray has dragged some Scottish people into tennis and, and we pretend that we like it for Wimbledon. 
until he's out, and then we couldn't we couldn't give a fuck. And if I'm not mistaken, the 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 thing that proves that no one in this country anyway really gives a fuck about tennis is on the fourth every four years when the World Cup happens. Because the people of Wimbledon, the organisers, or even anybody who's involved in tennis, they must fucking dread it. Probably even every two years when it's a major football event, whether it's a Euros or a World Cup, and it happens during the summer because nobody gives a fuck about tennis then. Alright, in the years when there's no football on, everyone's like, oh, Henman Hill and Murray Mountain, you know, it's £16 for a strawberry and law tennis. I fucking love tennis, man. Could I name you three tennis players? Uh, uh, Andy Murray, uh, Judy Murray, and uh, his brother, Murray Murray. Um, other than that, no, mate, I couldn't. Could you name me any other uh, international events? Uh, well, you get you get Wimbledon, and then uh, you know uh, the uh, the the one on the clay, and the one on the on the on the ash. You know, so uh, Ash Ash Ashton National, I think it's called, and uh, clay the clay, the clay the clay pot cup. I think is the other one. Uh, I'm not too sure. Couldn't tell you anything about tennis. Nothing. When the football's on, no one cares. It's a ghost town. When the football's on. They could be sitting going, listen, there's uh, there's free tickets to the number one and number two in the in the Wimbledon final. Uh, mate, Costa Rica are playing fucking Fiorentina's under twenty ones. Fucking suck a dick. Nobody cares about tennis when there is football on. So I am struggling to even even care, hold an opinion. I mean, obviously, I'll I'll, I'll give you my opinion. But I'm struggling to care about the whole Djokovic situation. If you don't know who Novak Djokovic is, believe me, you're living a, get, a great life. You're living a better life than anyone who knows who Novak Djokovic is. He is arguably, and I will argue this, in, in an audience, the most boring fucking sports person that has ever walked the face of this earth. Of any sport. Tiddlywinks. Darts. Cricket, croquet. I guarantee you there's probably a hundred more fucking interesting croquet players out there than this boring fucking dick. I cannot stand him. I hate watching him play tennis. I hate when he wins things. I hate listening to him. He's fucking boring. He's sh- I mean, he's no shit. Because he's world number one, he wins everything. But he's just boring, man. He's just boring. There's nothing to him, there's nothing interesting about him, there's nothing exciting. Probably the fact that he's a mad anti-vaxxer is the most interesting thing that's ever happened to Djokovic. In fact, now that I'm thinking about this, this might be an absolutely brilliant PR stunt from Djokovic's team. Because, let's look at this in a couple of ways. One, nobody knows how to spell Djokovic. I have been tweeting about the fucker for days and I still have to do hashtag Novak and then Djokovic comes up and I delete the Novak bit because I still don't know how to spell his fucking name even though I've tweeted it a hundred times. Couldn't fucking tell you. But I got into my head and spelled Djokovic and blah, uh, Jo, uh, J-E, no, fuck, uh, Jai, no, by a D, begins with a D. Oh, Djokovic, right, D-I-C, no, uh, D, no idea. So we're all talking about him, right? We all know he's a born bastard. And maybe now we're starting to get a little bit more about him. 
you know, so he's no vaccinated. Mad anti-vax, all that, right, there's a wee bit of this, it's quite interesting, he's a fucking fruitcake. And then, just to cement the idea that he is an actual fruitcake, they let his dad speak, and his dad comes in, and his dad says, he is like Jesus Christ, and they're trying to crucify him. And you think, holy fucking shit, I hope that man's got a podcast, because he is a fucking top grey, waitrose level fruitcake. His father came out, in fact, have I got the exact statement, uh, because I, I even favoured this, or saved it, whatever you call it, on Instagram, saved, have I got it, because when I saw it, I thought, his father, he's going to get any bother for the PR team, somebody's had to go into uh, Djokovic, oh, I've not even got it, unbelievable, somebody's had to go into Djokovic's uh, hotel room, and tell him, say, look, you better tell your daddy shut the fuck up because he has lost the plot. Where was the, uh, God, where was the tweet that I said? I mean, this is so unprofessional. This is this is why I need a producer, so I can just say, hey, Franco, pull up the uh, Djokovic's failure. Is it in Sports Bible? Let's try that quickly. If I can't see it, I'm moving on, and I cannot see it. We are uh, moving on. Can I see it? Right. Basically, his dad said that the way in which his son was being victimised, I mean, come on, victimised, he was being treated, uh, being crucified uh, the way that Jesus Christ was. And you're thinking, what the actual fuck are you talking about? First of all, I am not religious in any way, shape or form. And this is probably... Uh, a wrong opinion to have, but I couldn't give a fuck, because this is the opinion I've got, if I find out that anyone is religious, I start to question their mental health, and not in a mental health way, as in, I hope they're not struggling with depression, or going through anything, I actually start to question their mental health, saying, is this guy an actual fucking psychopath? Now, if you are, for example, a Catholic, you're given a pass because you're born into that and you don't really get a chance, right? And most of the time, hey, going to chapel is a fucking laugh, okay? So that's that's difference. I'm not I'm not talking a, a, a Scottish Catholic. I'm not talking that. I'm talking whenever I hear people going, and I give thanks and praise to Lord God Jesus Christ because without God's blessing, none of this is possible. I go, whoa, 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 wow, pause that. What the fuck did that guy say? I start to question those people. So when he's further... Starts hitting it with all the Jesus chat, I'm like, suddenly this makes sense. The reason why we've not got any news or any information on Djokovic as a person or his family is because he's a fucking nutter. <laughs> My son is being crucified like Lord God Jesus Christ. Like, what? Whoa, 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 what? Mostly you get that from mad Americans. I would like to thank God. St I'll stop you there. I'll stop you there. <laughs> that that was always one of the things that Ricky Gervais said as well. And one of his uh, Golden Globe things, whatever it was, he went, just come up here, thank your God and fuck off. And I remember him being in another interview saying, which God are you thanking? You know, he he's his argument for atheism is that he didn't believe in one God. Or no, he doesn't believe in all gods, but they refuse they only accept one. Or something like that, I don't know, I wasn't going to listen. Anyway, when Djokovic's dad started to hit out with all those comments, I thought, right, this is, one, it's getting interesting, and two, his dad should never be allowed to speak to the media again. 
I also find, find it quite interesting when you see or you hear about sports people, especially sports people who are successful in any sport, I mean, even if it's a shit sport like tennis, and they have family members as part of the management team, whether it be agents or managers or advisors or PR. I always find that strange. If I was a successful footballer or a rugby player, there is not a hope in fucking hell I would have any of my family involved in the running of my business. Not a sh- fucking chance. I mean, think about this. Think about you listening to this right now. You are a highly successful sports person in whatever sport you choose. Highly successful. You know, top five in the world. Would you ha- think about your family? Would you have any members of your immediate family involved in your management? Not a chance. Not, imagine the fucking weird shit that your parents and mad cousins would be saying. <laughs> I can't believe, I can't believe all this problem with, it, with the vaccine, man. Listen, he's, uh, the amount of coke that he's on, no, no virus will touch him. So I am kind of half involved in the Djokovic stuff just because I don't like him so I want to see what happens I know that he apparently was told that he could apply for some kind of special dispensation apparently he has proven or given some kind of evidence that he is naturally immune that really isn't the, the issue or the discussion the discussion is there's, there's rules we're back to this oh it's one rule for them one rule for us if you're not vaccinated you can't enter the country simple as that black and white don't give a fuck if you're a tennis player, if you're the reincarnation of Jesus Christ, don't care. He's apparently saying that he's got natural immunity. Then comes out that he actually had the infection in the middle of December. Uh, and he now finds himself in, the last I heard on the radio the other day is that he is in a quarantine hotel. Apparently they still might let him play, but there's concerns because he can't do any uh, any warm-up matches, any training, nothing because he's contained within this hotel. So it all just seems like a fucking load of nonsense. I, I would also say that if, if you were part of the PR team, and when you get to a sports personality of that size, you become a brand almost, I would say it's more damaging for them to continue to fight to play than it is not to. The The, the Australians have, have gone through far stricter lockdown measures than anybody in Europe. So if I, if I was someone who had gone through probably two years of even worse situation than we've had it, and then some dick tennis player turns up unvaccinated to play in a fucking stupid tennis tournament, I mean, I'd be fucking kicked. They'd be riots. I'd be kicking off. I mean, no, the Aussies love a riot, man. They don't need any excuse to riot. Uh, Sky News, um, this article, we've, we've stepped away from the Metro because we're, we're trying to get some actual information here. Uh, Novak Djokovic, a.k.a. Jesus Christ, not told so-called medical exemption would be accepted, accepted government court claims. The Australian government has also challenged Djokovic's claim he had a COVID infection at the end of last year with a hearing set to take place on Monday uh, to decide whether the world tennis player uh, number one will remain in the country or be deported. Deport the bastard! Deport the bastard! I really hope the producers of the uh, Border Police TV show have got this on camera. I really hope, because I'm fed up of Chinese guys being caught smuggling heroin and fucking curry powder. I, I need something a bit more exciting. We- we've seen enough dead animals, live birds, uh, fucking weird bits of heroin, 
all sorts of drugs. We've seen enough of that. We want to see world number one tennis player getting a full cavity search on border police. That's what we want. We want him sitting down and we want the guy going, uh, can I get your passport? Can you write a 1,000... <laughs> that always amazes me. When they catch some poor bastard who has been like working on a student visa and he's buggered off to like Thailand, you know, to go and help like get rid of a body or harvest some poppies and he's came back to Australia and he went, uh, not today, mate. And they're making this fucker... Twice I've seen it, they make somebody write a letter to Australia suggesting why they should be allowed to stay. I'd be like, fucking suck my dick, man. <laughs> why should I be allowed to stay? How about this? My fucking great-grandfather stabbed 14 people on Sucky Hall fucking street in Glasgow. And because of that, he was sent out here and he built the very tarmac that this plane has landed on. So I should be allowed to come and go as I fucking please, you bastard. Uh, article says the Australian government did not tell Novak Djokovic that his so-called medical exemption would allow him to enter the country to compete in the Australian Open court documents claim on Sunday. The government filed 13 pages of documents ahead of a hearing to decide whether the Serbian, Serbian fucking dodgy, tennis star can remain in the country or be deported. Deport him! Uh, the court also challenged Djokovic's claim that he had a COVID infection at the end of last year. All right, so we think he's making this up. Oh, I thought that was confirmed. The plot thickens. The dirty, sneaky Serbian. The Australian government has said in the documents that even if Djokovic is successful in the hearing tomorrow, it may block his entry to the country anyway. Good. Hearing is due to start 10 a.m. Monday morning. Um, after a request by the Home Affairs Department to delay it to Wednesday was rejected, representatives for the world's top-ranked tennis players say he was given a medical exemption after testing positive for COVID-19 in December 16th. None of that matters. None of that matters. And that's that's the important thing I, really, I suppose to take for this situation. The, um, the dispensation and this idea of medical exemption has been agreed in principle, supposedly by the tennis authorities, who thankfully have no say in the fucking governance of a country. I mean, that's like somebody turning up here, flying into, here, flying into Glasgow Airport, you know, and saying, mate, you don't have any paper, you're not legally allowed to enter the country. Ah, oh, but what I my man is, I've spoken to the people at the David Lloyd and uh, they've said that I'm, I'm fine to come in, so here's my membership and uh, a photograph of me with a tennis racket. So if you could just let me in, shut the fuck up. I think that was a, what a lot of people were, were forgetting when they were on Twitter. Just let him in, he's the fucking best tennis player. He's got dispensation. The dispensation has came for the tennis authorities. It fucking matter, not a jot. I imagine if you went into the outback, deep deep into the outback of Australia, where you're surrounded by kangaroos, incest and murder, and said to them, could you fucking draw me a picture of a tennis racket? He'd cut your throat and shag your ass. Not a clue what even tennis is, let alone Serbian tennis players. I imagine if you went into the Australian outback and said, how do you feel, Mr. Australian outback person? <laughs> Could you stop fucking that kangaroo for 10 seconds and come and speak to us here? Sky News. We'd just like to get uh, the, the real people's opinion. How do you feel about Serbian tennis star 
uh, Novak Djokovic being allowed special dispensation to enter the country because of COVID restrictions, he'd probably go, what the fuck's COVID? And who is Serbia? Now please can I get back to making love to my kangaroo? Uh, his legal team say that an assessment from the Department of Home Affairs uh, that his responses on his Australian travel declaration indicate he met the requirements for quarantine-free entry into the country. But the government said it had not uh, represented to the applicant that this so-called medical exemption would be accepted. It argued that says nothing about the power of the minister to interrogate those responses, the evidence upon which they were based, and conclude that a cancellation power and enlivenment under the Act upon his arrival into Australia. The government's submission also challenged Djokovic's infection claim, saying there is no suggestion that the applicant had acute major medical illness in December 2021. This is fucking brilliant! So not only are they saying, hey, listen, my man, not only are you no getting in, we think you're talking utter shit about even having COVID in the first place. Oh, lovely. Lovely. There's a, here's, a, here's a thing on the, on the wider scale, right, that I, that I still don't really get. There's a picture in the article, and it's on Sky News' website. There's also an interesting thing at the top of the article saying, uh, why can you trust Sky News? We'll, we'll look at that a little later. Um, there's an interesting picture of him in the airport, and he's masked up. Now, one thing that I'm struggling to, to kind of still get to terms with is the people who are against the vaccine or being vaccinated yet follow certain safety precautions in order not to catch the virus. And that is the thing that's still troubling me. I had this discussion yesterday with the missus because she's got a friend, and no, no names, no pack numbers. She's got a friend um, who had, had asked her to meet up for a coffee. And she knows that this friend is not only not vaccinated, but very much, you know, in the Facebook conspiracy world, deep anti-vaxxer. And I suppose I, I kind of also feel for people who are against the vaccination for legitimate reasons. Because you, you must be getting tarred with the same brush. And I suppose the response to that whole, do you want to go for a coffee, coffee thing, I was thinking like, even if your if your friend of yours had messaged you and said, "Listen, do you want to meet up for a pint, or do you want to go for a coffee, or something?" I don't know, right? Whatever, whatever it is, normal people do. You might, might go and, and play swing ball. And you said, "Listen, just to let you know, I've not been vaccinated. I'm not. I'm not intending to get vaccinated. But um, and I fully understand if you don't want to meet up for a coffee. I just wanted to let you know that 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 kind of would be. Uh, I think that would be a better way to be in a situation rather than to 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 make, I suppose what I'm trying to say is to make the decision not to get the vaccine, but then still put yourself in a situation where you can infect others or be infected yourself. That's the kind of thing that I'm struggling with. So if Djokovic is against the vaccine for whatever reason, and listen, if you are you know, an elite athlete after seeing some of the things that's been happening to, to footballers across the globe but they were having heart conditions and collapsing, possibly there may be concerns there. You may have an underlying medical condition that we don't know about. So he may have legitimate reasons for not wanting to be vaccinated. That's fine. But then surely how can you still put yourself in a position where you could become infected or infect others? And that's what I'm struggling with. I'm also struggling with the fact that I couldn't give a fuck about Djokovic and he's a boring bastard. 
And not only that, he's now a lying boring bastard reclaiming he's got COVID and he's not got COVID. So I hope they keep him in the hotel and then I hope they, they deport the bastard. Get it on the news, you know? Or tell him to get the vaccine. <laughs> tell him to get the vaccine. Dude, actually, listen, tell you what, I'll let you compete, right? But see, if you don't win the tournament, you get vaccinated live on air in centre court. How's about that? How's about them apples? Eh? Novak. No, Novak, Bob Bag. That should be the terms of, of his entry. We will allow you into the country to compete in a fucking shitty tennis tournament that nobody cares about. However, if you don't win the whole tournament, you are vaccinated live on Australian television in centre court. And then he's got to do a, a speech explaining the importance of being vaccinated. That's what I would make him do. That's that's exactly what the authorities should do. Listen, mate, I'll, I'll stamp your card right now and let you in. You and your fucking mental da. But if you lose, vaccinated live on air. Take it or leave it, brother. Take it or leave it. Novak Djokovic. I was going to say we await a baited breath to see what happens, but I really couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. And uh, God, look at it, almost as if we timed that perfect. What a beautiful way to end. Music's playing. It's time to wrap it up. Team, enjoy another episode 101. Uh, subscribe, share the podcast, encourage people to listen, get on the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson, and enjoy the goodies. In the meantime, stay safe, wash your hands and your arsehole, and I hopefully see you on a battlefield very soon. Onwards. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.